understanding your numbers, your key performance indicators, those metrics that make a difference. Instead of just making 10 to 20,000 once or twice a year, selling or flipping a house, how'd you like to make 2,000 to 3,000 passive income every month for the rest of your life? How about 5,000 to 7,000 per month? How about 40,000 to 50,000 every single month for the rest of your life? If you said yes, to any of these questions, you need to sign up for Anthony Chara's One Day Apartment Investing Workshop on April 13th. Visit iCore's website for more information. That link is in the show notes. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by realbluespruce.com. Hello and welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host and your win-win maker, Adam A. Adams, and today... Folks, we're talking about something we almost never talk about on this podcast, and I have no idea why. We're talking about lead generation, KPIs, if you even know what that means, and CRM, another confusing thing that I never use. Now, here's the thing. We need to be doing these things. We need to be talking about pulling in new leads, key performance indicators, and making sure that you are managing the clients that you have in some way. And we have an expert on that. Today on the podcast, we actually have Tommy Mello. Tommy is, uh, he owns Lead Geeks, where he actually sells, sells a bunch of these leads to other people. And he also wrote the book, Home uh, Service Millionaire. And then he, in, he also hosts the podcast, Home Service experts where he actually usually does interviewing with a little bit of, I would say, 100 millionaire, uh, just brilliant people and pulls out the best of the best. So when we're really talking about KPIs, lead gen and CRM, Tommy is going to be the one to really share this with us. He's done tons of fix and flips, by the way, so you can think he's credible. That is going to work a lot for us. Tommy, what's going on? How are you, brother? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it, Adam. First off, thank you for being on. It's, it's nice that we're going to talk about something we don't always talk about. I'm like that mindset person that's like, you can do this, you can do this. And now that people know that we can do this, now let's figure out how we can do this better. So what is a KPI? What's a CRM? What does lead gen mean? And, and then we'll get into this. So in the book, uh, it's about 200 pages. I really went into mindset because I think you got to start with your mindset. And then I, I talk a lot about understanding your numbers, your key performance indicators, those metrics that make a difference. And what I teach people a lot about in the book is I call it ref. It's build rapport, educate the crap out of the customers and enjoy doing it and then follow up. And the missing piece in the lead gen and the relationships is following up. I talk about a customer relationship management system, which is just your CRM, which could be in real estate, Podio, there, there's a million of them out there. And then I talk a ton about lead generation because there's everything from search engine optimization, pay-per-click, social media, mailers, there's radio, TV, billboards. There's uh, so many things that we get confused. I do Groupon, Living Social. So I've done lead gen in the home service space and uh, one of the gals I was dating, amazing woman uh, for a long time, she got me into the real estate end of it. And we actually decided to start Motivated Seller Leads, and that's leadgeeks.com, where we go right to the end of the funnel. We find the off-market deals, and they're literally, they're going to us saying, I want to sell my house. I'm going through a divorce. They tell us the price. It's a, it's a great price, not on the MLS. And then we 
give those uniquely to one person in that area. So we've got all these amazing buyers who know how to close these deals. A lot of them are wholesalers, but yeah, that's what it's all about. I mean, it's the business, it's the core. And in the book, it's not only for people in the home service business. I've had a lot of real estate agents read it, a lot of investors, and they're like, holy cow, it really applies to everything. Really cool. Um, so one of the things that you said is when you're doing your lead gen for the lead geeks, um, you said that you're, what you do is you go right to the end of the funnel. And I don't, I don't know what you mean by that. When you, when you go right to the end of the funnel, if you could explain. So a lot of investors and people out there, wholesalers and who might be looking for good deals, they go to the courthouse. They go try to find somebody with a municipality issue like an overgrown weeds or they try to find a hoarder or they got the people going out finding houses that may look vacant and then they try to contact them and skip trace them and send mailers all the time. And that means it's up here. Those people aren't ready to sell yet. They're, they're might be open to it, but the close ratio is going to be really, really bad. Some of the investors we work with are closing one out of 80 uh, appointments that are like that. Ours are more like one out of eight. The people are actually saying, I'm ready to move. My bags are packed. I'm in a situation, divorce, probate, uh, some type of financially distressed, whatever it might be, they're ready to go. So what I mean out of the funnel is a lot of people are hitting it up here. They're nurturing, 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 ready to sell. And some of those take six months, a year, where ours are like, boom. So people say, well, I can get a lead for a little bit cheaper than yours. I don't understand. And I go, yeah, you probably could get a lot of leads from the courthouse and go in and buy in an old list of pre-foreclosures. But the fact is, you're going to have to work the crap out of those leads. And how much is your time worth? So Absolutely. That's, yeah. So they'll be, if, like you said, they'll be going to 10 times as many houses to close the same amount of leads. Absolutely. That's a hundred percent correct. And the investors that know what they're doing, know it takes anywhere from 3,500 to $5,500 to acquire a customer. And it just depends how much time you want to spend, but you got to think your time is worth something. And I talk a lot about that in the mindset is how much do you pay yourself? Because you should be able to pay yourself a healthy amount of money. Your company should still make a profit. And so many times we pay ourselves a salary and we, we, the company's not profitable, but we make a salary. We say, we, my company made 150,000. No, it didn't. You made 150,000. Your company made diddly. <laughs> very, very interesting. So I know we're going to get into that when we talk a little bit more about keep KPIs. Um, so you're, you're getting them right to the end of the funnel. And here's a way to bring a ton of value to those who are listening and watching right now. How do you get these top level leads? So 70% of all things are pretty much found online these days. And 70% of that's found on Google. So 50% of your marketing should be aimed towards Google. Google is reactive. Something's wrong. I need to do it. Facebook is more of the billboard top of mind. And it's an education process and like fancy things you could do. Facebook works. I do a lot of things on Facebook, but for these leads, you want to come up top. So there's different search algorithms on Google. There's pay-per-click. There's the GMBs, which is your Google My Business, which ABC, and then there's organic. And I believe in all three of those, but the Google My Business actually adds reviews. So if I search pizza, Tempe, Arizona, it come up with a local pizza shop. Well, for sell my house fast, you want to have a, a lot of reviews from real customers with a lot of keywords in those reviews. You want to make sure all your citation sites like Yelp, 
kudzu, merchant circle, yp.com are done. These are all simple ways to get found. And, and there's thousands of these. There's chambers of commerce, there's the BBB, there's all these things. And I recommend you join as many as you could, even the paid ones. You could use a tool like Yext. Personally, I'm not gonna talk down upon them, but once you're in battle with them, you can't get out and you're gonna be paying them monthly forever. Uh, it's okay, but those aren't the main ones you wanna do anyway. So another thing you want to do is get with people like you and try to get a blog on your website. So you want to deliver maximum value. You post that on your website and link it back to my website. So I'm delivering so much value to you and your listeners that you're going to put a link to my website. And the more you could do that kind of stuff, the more it makes you reputable by Google and their algorithm goes out and says, wow, these guys know what they're doing. The keywords are set up right. The content's great. I, re I recommend building your site on WordPress. Uh, pay-per-click is a little bit different. They look at click-through rate. So when your ads pop up, do people click on it? Is it valuable? And what I say about that is root beer might outrank Coca-Cola if you type in the word Coca-Cola, but they're paying a thousand bucks for that word where Coca-Cola is paying a penny. So you got to be relevant and then they got to stay on the page for a long time. So having a chat box is really important. I could talk to you for an hour about just things to do to the website, but I would say Focus on WordPress, focus on pictures and videos that are meaningful. What, what people are always asking you about, hey, I wanna know these questions. Why are you better than another company? Why should I sell my house to you? Can you show me proof of funds? All that stuff, the top 10 FAQs need to be on the site and mm. videos are amazing. This is incredible and it's like, what I, the aha moment that I'm getting from you is let's just say I'm a brand new wholesaler. Okay. Let's say I'm a brand new wholesaler. And I'm thinking I want to get and do this business and do it well. You just shared so many things. Like you just shared, I would say like 10 different people's business models, 10 different uh, positions in just the lead gen part. That sounds like a lot of effort for a new wholesaler who thought that this was just an easy way to make money with no money. Um, so I guess what I'm saying is this marketing part seems like a critical piece and you can either learn everything that you've just talked about or you can maybe pay somebody or hire somebody to do it for you so that you can focus on the other parts. If somebody was to pay somebody like you or another company, what are the things that they need to look for to make sure that they're joining forces with somebody who really is giving them good leads? I'm a big fan of everything in your company being performance-based. Uh, there's a book called The Ultimate Sales Machine by Chet Holmes. And I had the opportunity in my podcast to interview Chet Holmes' daughter, Amanda Holmes. And unfortunately, oh, about six years ago, he passed away in his 50s. And there was 250 employees and she took over this company and she's a musician. And she's like, I know nothing about my dad's business. It's called Chet Holmes International. He's got all these employees. It's all this stuff. She said the smartest thing my dad ever did was he set up everybody's pay on performance. So if the company made money, they made money. If we didn't, they didn't make money. So when you're setting up advertisers, there's what's called pay for performance campaigns. So my company, Lead Geeks, you don't pay unless you get a lead. So there's all kinds of companies out there that'll take 20% of your ad spend. They'll charge you all these monthly fees. They try to do all these different things. And what I want to say and do with these people is first of all, I want to hear your credentials and I want to talk to your five people that you're working with currently. 
I want to know how long you've been in business. So I'm looking for that big time. I want to know what your BBB is. Did you just start last year? Um, I'm looking for a track record. And what I try to do is really use my, my circle. I've got a pretty big circle now that I could ask a lot of people because sometimes I get overloaded. I've got 17 LLCs right now. So some of my resources can't handle other ones. So I try to find new, anytime I can find someone new, I want to, sometimes I do, I'll hire two companies and see which one's giving me the better results. And I'll tell them straight up, both you guys are working for me. You both are starting at the same. I'm paying you both the same. We'll see who does the best. Okay. Let me ask you a question so that you can help me understand how this would happen. Tommy, you were new once at doing this for other people. When you first started your Lead Geeks at the very beginning a few years ago, that you were new back then. Um, and you're right now sharing uh, one of the best ways that you can find a good person is to make sure that they've been doing the business for a little while, check their Better Business Bureau rating, um, and not to hire a newbie. Um, you were probably different in the beginning and you still got clients. What do you think um, was good about you in your first year that you were still able to bring in um, new clients? So I'm a marketer by trade. So I knew I could market. I, I mean, if you've got leads, leads trump everything. He who can pay more per acquisition will always win. So I kind of had the ultimate advantage. So it's hard because I don't try to take down these deals anymore. I realize that I'm a better lead generator than I am a wholesaler or a flipper. <laughs> I, I once, you know, I make a lot of money in my garage door business. We did 30 million last year. Uh, I'm not bragging. We've got an amazing team. It's killer. 12, uh, 12 states, 20 markets. But what I realized is I know my place. And the best book that I would recommend, everybody's got to read out there. And I'm not getting paid. Uh, well, my book. But uh, Rocket Fuel explains the relationship between a, a visionary, which I am, and then an, a, an integrator. So it's a VI relationship. So really, it's knowing what you're the best at and maximizing that skill level and not trying to be – there was a time where I answered all the calls. I was a dispatcher. I was a tax planner. I was the marketer. I was the worker. I was the boss. I was the hiring manager. I was the recruiter. And finally, I'm like, I need to get people that are better than me at this, and I need to qualify them, and I need to keep them on their toes. Every year, I shop my insurance, my workman's comp. I shop every single thing, and I'm always trying to get better and better, but the biggest thing that a CRM, which has key performance indicators, tells me is what do I need to attack right now that's going to make the biggest difference? Either save me the most amount of money or make me the most amount of money. And I love talking about EBITDA, which is earnings before interest tax and appreciation, because you got to pay attention to that number and make sure you're making a healthy margin in your company. Very, very cool. I know right. I talk fast, I'm sorry. I just, I got all these ideas and I like to I, share so much. I love it. I love it and I love that this is something new for the podcast. It's something we don't always talk about. And I'm sure that this interview could go, like you said, just on like these little parts that we could geek out on for hours. Um, I do want to try to get a little bit of value from lead gen, KPI, and CRM. So let's move on to the next subject. What's a key performance indicator and why does it matter? So I want to just, for simple ease, I'm just going to talk about a simple garage door company because uh, I know that like the back of my hand. So 
number one thing you want to figure out is you want to figure out how much it costs you to get a phone call. So that's CPL, cost per lead, and then CPA is cost per acquisition. So I got to look at my booking rate. So that's the first thing I need to look at is am I, am I booking these calls? So in real estate, I don't care what the person says. A lot of the people that are listening right now, they go, there's no equity in it. It's not a good deal for me. They go, this person wants too much. This is in a bad neighborhood or whatever. Your number one goal is to book the darn appointment. The whole thing is, if you tell me you got the crappiest house, the lawn's overdone and it's on a crooked concrete, I say, that's exactly what I'm looking for. Can I sit down and talk to you about it? I want to make an appointment. Book the appointment. You got 10 times more likelihood to close the deal when you're actually out there in person. Second thing is be prepared and make sure you show up when you say you're going to do with a proof of funds. For me in garage doors, I make sure we show up in a wrap truck, a nice tucked in shirt. We smell appropriately. We look appropriate. We let them know when we're on the way. We offer water, coffee, soda. We're going to stop at 7-Eleven. We build rapport before we even get there. The next thing we look at is your close ratio. If I, am I closing enough? And then I look at what's my average ticket. So what's my average sell? So you're understanding who you're marketing to your perfect avatar. So key performance indicators are just metrics that make a big difference in your bottom line. And you shouldn't have more than five to, five to eight of them. Booking rate, appointment setting, follow-up ratio. How many am I getting from follow-up? And the number one thing everybody's failing at that's listening, I, be, I bet you 99% of them is they're doing a bad job of following up or they just got a little text message sent out that says I'm following up once a month and I'm using Twilio or whatever they're using. You know, I use send out cards for 97 bucks a month. Listen to this, 97 bucks a month. Unlimited cards, unlimited cards. I could send you and everybody in my office, there's 80 people here, I could send every one of my customers, as long as it's an authentic card, it includes postage, it includes the card stock, and you know, it's sendoutcards.com, and then I've got a little section, it's under Tommy Mello, and then I'm putting up a website, it's called Top of Mind Cards on how to view send out cards, but there's 10 ways to follow up, but email is only one of them. Email, text message, which is SMS, the postal cards, which a lot of us use, but there's other ones to follow up and actually mean a meaningful card. So, you know, the, I, KPIs is like my passion, and I don't mean to talk too much about acronyms, but it's just basically metrics that make a huge difference in your company. Okay. I am going to get to asking you what KPIs Adam Adams needs to be looking at. But before I do, you said it's $97 a month for unlimited cards, including postage, the card stock, et cetera. And you find that by going to sendoutcards.com or? Sendoutcards.com forward slash Tommy, T-O-M-M-Y, Mello. And you click on the $97 plan. And what'll happen is each card you make, a custom card, you go through a thank you card, a thinking of you card, a you design your own card. It's super simple. It's just, it's a process. It walks you right through it. And it says $1.75, it's going to charge you. Then it crosses it out and says free. And if you do a thousand of these a month, they need to be, they need to be authentic though. It's called a, a heartfelt card. If they're authentic cards, it's 100% free. And I didn't believe it at first. I was like, this is, this can't be right. Like, how do they cover the postage? Postage alone is like 55 cents. And so I met with the CEO. I'm actually meeting with him in Salt Lake City on Monday. And he said, no. He said, Tommy, when we send out these cards and they find out where they come from, we get more clients. And he actually told me 
that they make money on certain people, kind of like a gym membership, and they lose some money on some people. But the biggest thing is he's trying to make a difference. Uh, his name's Cody Bateman. Really, really smart guy. Got to see him speak the other day. But the fact is, he's absolutely killing it with this company. And he's the chief visionary officer. And it's amazing what they're doing for it. But it works in real estate. It works in mortgages, doctors, dentists, everything. And I'm using it. We're working on a custom build where my CRM talks to theirs and it sends them automatically, which will cost a little bit more. But for me, the ease of use is worth it. Very, very interesting. Thank you for sharing that. And then, all right, so KPIs. I am an apartment investor. I have a company. There are seven of us here in the company that we all get paid on every deal. And uh, our goal is to buy, you know, a thousand units this year in just Oklahoma City. What metrics do I need to start focusing on in our, in our company to make us more successful? How do you acquire a deal? Most of the deals that we acquire come because of relationships, uh, either with brokers or our Facebook advertising. We have not started doing uh, direct-to-seller at all. So it's, it's contacting brokers, usually sporadic phone calls whenever we want, just like whenever we have time, we give uh, new brokers a call. There's not a whole bunch of them, so eventually you've called them all. And, um, and it's that, and then joining other Facebook groups f around Oklahoma City and multifamily and just saying, we've got money that's burning a hole in our pocket. We'd like to close on some deals. Do you have any? So there's two sides of it. There's the buy side, and then there's the rent side. So I'd, I'd take this whiteboard behind me, and I'd whiteboard, what are the biggest things that make the difference in the company? So number one, where are we getting most of our deals from now? What kind of avatar does that look like? An avatar basically means your perfect customer that's giving you leads. And in the ultimate sales machine, another book called uh, Blue Fishing, he talks about being top of mind. So you could send a postcard, you can make a phone call, but you want to stay top of mind with when these guys get a deal, they think of you. So the metrics I would look at is how often am I following up with these guys? I look at how many new contacts are we making per month? I look at on my Facebook, what's my click-through ratio? What's the time on page? There's a thing called pixeling on Facebook. What I don't want to do, I've already confused everybody, I'm sure, but you want to make sure you're collecting that pixel data and you're retargeting to them because retargeting is the cheapest thing. So what I like to do on Facebook is you're advertising B2B. Uh, there's difference, a lot of differences between B2B and B2C, which is business to consumers, business to business. But... I would really try to understand who the perfect person you're looking for is and how to get in front of them more often and then build metrics around that, first of all, and then measure what are the conversations looking like? How long are the conversations? And then uh, find different ways to market to them. So for marketing, I look at percentage of revenue. So right now, I always am under, no matter what I do, I'm under a five to one. So 20%, if I spend 5,000, I need to make 25,000. So that's tops. If I was 10 to one, if I spend 10,000, I need to make 100,000. So understand that you gotta set limits and what a, what a CRM allows you to do is understand those limits. So right now, you're gonna think I'm crazy, Adam, but I have over 3,000 call tracking numbers that if you call a number on your Valpac money mailer, Google ad, Craigslist, freaking mailer in the mail, whatever it is, they all have separate phone numbers. And it tracks it all the way through the process, all the way to how much did I collect on you? How many times did you 
come back to me? What's the lifetime relationship worth of you? Is there a service agreement? Did I sell you some finance options? And that's how I measure everything. So it's basically data analytics, but it's not hard to do when it's set up right. I mean, I'm not, I'm not sitting here, you know, hacking into Google or anything. I'm just, it's a little setup process and then it's done. All right. How do I, okay. Let me try to see if I can repeat some of the things that you said that stood out to me. Okay. Uh, let me look. Oh my goodness. There's so much info. All right. <laughs> it started with buy side KPI for multifamily. All right. There's a buy side and there's a rent side. And I would like to get back there by the way. And then you said, where are the deals coming from now? Who are, is our perfect avatar? Um, how do we be top of mind? And then you gave some ideas, maybe sending postcards, doing phone calls. And you asked, how many new contacts do we uh, need to have per month, right? And then um, how much time are they spending on the page? You talked about something called pixel, pixel data. And mm -hmm. how to, then you talked about retargeting. And then you, were, you mentioned that we were advertising business to business instead of business to consumer because they're different, so B2B. And then, again, it's who is perfect for us and how do we get more conversations with them. And you talked about the five-to-one ratio with 20% of revenue is for marketing or some people do the 10-to-one. You're talking about how you have 3,000 call tracking numbers. So now let me start asking some questions. When you said that there's a buy side and a rent side, um, will you tell me more about what you mean? Because I think that I thought that I would only need the buy side when you're talking about the rent side. Are you talking about like the property management management company, um, like putting out data to, or putting out advertisements to bring in new tenants? So you got to, so are you buying them already occupied? Or are you trying to get them occupied? Great question. Normally, we buy them at 90% occupied so that we can have a Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac loan. Okay. Because I got a guy in town I invested quite a bit of money with who buys them mostly unrented. And what happens is there's a really horrible rent roll. So they're averaging six seventy five dollars a unit. He goes in, puts a gate in, car, covered carports, redoes the pool area, all the good stuff. And then he moves it up to $1,400. And within six months, it is two and a half times what he paid for the property. So there's, it's understanding your exact needs. Mm -hmm. And then I'm a whiteboarder. So I'd whiteboard everything. I whiteboard what is going to grow this in the book. And I talk about it a lot because it's one of my favorite books, The Ultimate Sales Machine, is he says, be top of mind. So for example, I bought a thousand of these little Rubik's Cubes mm -hmm. and I've sent them to people, my biggest clients. So you would send them to the brokers. And I said, I'm still puzzled why we're not working together. And then I'll send another one, like a ruler. Are you measuring your results? So I, it's always, but they open it. And there's a little letter in there. It's kind of like, I used to work at a bar and I had this guy that came in and he's like, dude, I want a job here. I'm waiting. I'm not going to work anywhere else. I have a day job, but let me know when I can work security here, Friday, Saturdays. And months would go by. He'd come in every week. And finally, a job opened, opportunity opened up, and he was top of mind. I mean, that guy, I got like 20 of his resumes there. So the point is, when there's an opportunity, you want to be top of mind. So that's the biggest and best thing I can tell you is be different. Don't be these guys sending a stupid, you know, generic card. Say, do a little bit of research on these brokers. Find out who they are personally. Foster to their ego a little bit. 
say, man, I heard you're one of the top companies, man, you're, you're killing it. That kind of stuff is a game changer. And that's, that's just being different. In a world that everywhere we look, we get just ads everywhere. We're constantly being bombarded. You need to seek a different way of approaching these people you're going after. Excellent information. Wow. Okay. So let's move to the pixel data that you <laughs> mentioned and retargeting. I, uh, this, this is another part of the subject that goes way over my head. So if you could just break it down to me, what is pixel data and how do I retarget? Okay. So a, a pixel on a website is basically a profile. So when I could, there's certain data that when you hit my site, you know, if you end up on a website, do you ever like go on like an insurance and then all of a sudden you'll see an insurance ad the next day on another website? Okay. That's because yes. they're retargeting you. And it's like uh, 100th of the cost, depending on what it is, compared to that cost per click. So retargeting is much cheaper. And what it is, is buyers usually don't buy the first time. They're shopping around, they're looking. So on Amazon, Amazon does a lot of this, but a lot of times, Amazon's conversion rate is something like four or 5%. Like as many people, when I go to Amazon, I mean, I'm always like, I know what I want. I click on like, I buy everything on Amazon. But believe it or not, people put stuff in their carts and they don't close out. So retargeting is something that Amazon has a lot to do. They patented the one-click closeout. But the point is, you want to be top of mind for the next maybe 72 hours where they'll show up everywhere you go. And pixeling and retargeting, retargeting is more about Google. Pixeling is about, there's pixel data on this person. So the pixel data, if I could load up the pixel data of my perfect avatar to Facebook, they'll do a lookalike. So if you're a certain age and maybe you're a female and maybe you live in a certain zip code, Facebook knows all that stuff and they'll build lookalike audiences. So when you can give them the data of the people, they build a pixel around that and then they do lookalike audiences. And that's the best way. A lot of times when it says boost this post, you're boosting it based on the top Facebook guys, they know exactly. They're collecting all this data on every single person. They're finding out what person's profiles are most likely to buy this. I can tell you, I've got a campaign going for a thing called Garage Door Armor. And my guy figured out that there's certain days that we just have a horrible sales based on uh, the certain times of day too. Like he said, we're getting clicks, a lot of clicks between 9 and 5 a.m., but they're not converting to sales. So we turn it off from those times. So the more data driven you are with this stuff, and I'm not telling you guys to go out and learn this stuff. I'm just wanting to educate you a little bit on how this process works, at least give you a little overview. But I can tell you if you're, I went to this thing in Thailand about two and a half, three months ago, and this guy buys websites, his name's Matt Diggity. It's a huge SEO uh, conference. And he buys a website and he'll take the pixel data and the retargeting and he'll sell that data to not a competitor, but someone that could use that data. So if you're a real estate agent, maybe the mortgage lender could use it. I mean, I'm just trying to give an example, mm -hmm. but he'll sell that data. He'll crank up the SEO on the site. He'll triple the volume and he'll sell it for four times what it's worth within three months. So I'm just trying to point out there's other things out there that people don't know about. And the biggest thing I could tell you is if you don't know, do you really think it's the best thing to be a jack of all trades or should you be a master of what you do hire the right companies to go do this stuff and close more deals. Because I personally, I, I realized I can make way more money taking down these deals, but if I could just focus on the lead side of it, you know, that's a game changer. 
I love it. That there's a lot of a lot of the things that we talk about on on this podcast is is to really master your one thing. Um, you know, if you're if you're really good at finding deals, partner with a company that's really good at finding money. If you're really good at finding money, find partner with a good company that's finding deals or managing deals, so that you can really focus on your part of the niche. Just like you have, uh, Tommy, when you found a way to say, "I'm really good at pulling in the leads." Yeah, I've I've wholesaled some. Yeah, I've I've fixed and flipped a bunch of these as well, but like I don't love doing all that. And if I can just do this one part, I can make a lot of money. And we're talking about thirty million dollar gross revenue last year. Um, this is when you really focus and niche down. That's where the real success comes. So th- this is this is a lot of good information. I really appreciate you going through this. What other info? Do you think people, need, oh, let's go into, let's just talk about a good CRM and how to use it. And then, and then we'll pop off. I think we've sure, gotten a yeah. lot of good info, but what's a good CRM and how do you use it? So I wanted to add one thing. Uh, Gary Keller wrote, wrote a good book called The One Thing, by the way. Uh, so CRMs, there's, there's, <laughs> there's Infusionsoft, uh, which is very good, but it's very, I call it Confusionsoft because it's very confusing. I used to go to Infusioncon every year. They're located. They were in Mesa. Uh, Infusionsoft is great. Salesforce I've used a lot. It's got a lot of cool things. The things I don't like about Salesforce is they sell it in blocks. If you want this, it's this much, this much, this much. You end up spending a ton of money on user licenses. Uh, What I look for for a CRM, first of all, it's got an open API, which means it will allow you to build bridges into other software. So that's the application process interface. It's not worth going into detail, but it's basically a bridge that if you like it, something else, you can use Zapier and it could connect to it. So that's the first thing I look for in a good CRM. And then the next thing I look for is how well funded are they and when were they started? Because I like, sometimes I like companies started 2012 and later because they're built on a better code, a better platform. Because a lot of people used to just use like some old code, like some really, really old stuff. Now there's Python, Ruby on Rails, .NET, PHP. There's just, better stuff to be written on. So what I look for is user experience and user interface. So I know I'm not the only one going to use it. So I try to see how easy is it to navigate around and does it fulfill the needs I have? So if you want to find a good CRM, don't research CRMs before you define the needs that you want. Because a lot of times we place ourselves in a box, but what you should do, or you put a person in, uh, you put a box around a person or a box around a CRM. But what you should do is build the box and find the people to do that or the CRM to fit your box. And a lot of times we say, well, we'll make this work. We'll make this work. Do not pick a CRM. I'm on my fifth CRM. It's called Service Titan for home services. And Podio is a real good one for real estate. Um, there's so many of them. I use a lot of project management tools. We've used Basecamp. I use Trello for my top five board. We focus on the top five things we could do to make a difference in the business. So the whole top management team focuses on those top five. But uh, CRMs are, uh, it's great because it stores all the data. And I believe that you cannot win the game if you don't know the score. So if you don't have a CRM and you're not monitoring your calls, everybody I talk to, Adam says, we book 90% or better. And I'm like, oh, really? 90%? Okay, show me how that works. And they're like, well, you know, I'm here all the time. I hear them. We're booking 90% at least. And then they actually get the real results when I put them on a tool called CallCap or something like that. And 
they're more like at 55% and they can't believe the phone calls they hear. And it's amazing. It's absolutely incredible how horrible people are doing in comparison to where they think they are. And what I mean is they're still making money, but there's so much room for improvement. So a lot of times people say, I need more leads. And I'm like, you don't need more leads. You need to close the ones you have. You need to focus on the ones you're getting. The other day I had a guy who's amazing. He works with me and he said, Tommy, our average call time wait is 48 seconds because we need to get that down to 32 seconds. And he, I said, that was a Sunday and I, you know, a Super Bowl Sunday, but uh, I said, yeah, I understand that. Uh, so we got to do something about it. It's a staffing issue. But he said, there's three people that hung up because they waited too long. So that kind of information is invaluable. Wow. And that's what a CRM will allow you to do. All right. So uh, to recap, we talked about KPIs, lead gen and CRM. And here's, the, here's a big takeaway. Ref, R-E-F, a rapport, build rapport first. Then you educate your clients, your customers. And then you make sure you follow up, follow up, follow up the fortunes in the follow up. We learned a ton. And man, if that's the kind of content and value that Tommy's bringing, we've got to listen to his podcast. So Tommy, how do they find your podcast? So it's on iTunes. It's also on the website, homeserviceexpert.com. I I do have the book. It's coming out for free. You just pay for shipping, homeservicemillionaire.com forward slash free. And uh, I just wanted to add one thing that I think is super valuable about the employees that you have right now. Human behavior is improved when human behavior is monitored. So just remember that. People do what you inspect, not what you expect. And when you use a CRM and tools, you can't argue with facts. You can renegotiate with vendors, you can pay people on performance, and you get the best results ever by using a CRM and focus on the key metrics. Uh, And then also, I'm on LinkedIn. You can reach me. One of my email addresses is... um, I have a lot of them, uh, Tommy at leadgeeks.com uh, or a1leadmanager at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, I enjoy being on here. If anybody's got any questions, it looks like there's some chats going on. I don't know what that's all about. But. That's all That's all me. All right, we will hop up. Yeah, I'm keeping notes in the <laughs> oh, okay. chat. I'm keeping a bunch of notes in the chat because this is a brilliant. All right, my friend, until next time, think outside the box. Hey, podcast listener, thank you so much for listening to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I really appreciate you coming back and back and back. Remember, I'm not an attorney. I'm not a CPA. Everything you hear on this is not specific, specified real estate advice for you. I do have a friend. His name is Anthony Chara. He's a friend of the show, and he actually has a one-day apartment investing workshop coming up on April 13th. If you want to go to this apartment investing workshop, here's what you do. You go to iCourse website for more information. That link is in today's show notes.